What's up, y'all? Jeffrey, Jeffrey TV, coming to you semi-live from Mill Creek Park in Youngstown, Ohio. You may have noticed that during the last P-Funk show, June 27th, New York City Central Park, that since that time, that my posts have slowed down. First off, just let me say, this is the third time I've started this video. And I don't do do-overs. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm doing it over. I guess I'm getting soft in my old age. Oh, I'm definitely getting soft in my old age. All right, here's the review. Here we go. All right, I get to the venue early as usual. I walk from 36th and 8th up to Central Park Summer Stage. I get lost a couple times because my GPS gets me turned around because the walking direction indicator was a little bit off. So I get there, get there early as usual, of course. And since I got a ticket, there's no really, I mean a ticket in the seat, there's no reason for me to be first in line or anything. So there's no urgency. So I'm hanging out, then I got, but I still got this extra ticket I gotta get rid of. So I'm walking in, I see a dude, he looked me in the face, I look him in the face. We do that nigga shit to each other, you know, keeping the grit on. He said, yeah, you got an extra ticket? I was like, yeah, I do. He said, how much? I said, well, it's a good seat. He was like, how much? I was like, 140. He was like, all right. I was like, let's go. I don't even, I'm, I'm not sure if I told him it was front row or not, but I might have. And I said, come on, let's go there. So I got in there. So basically the whole gist of that story is that I was able to sell the ticket and I'd have to eat that 140. Uh, uh, I was able to sell that ticket and not eat that 140. So I did that. It ain't nobody out here. It's like I got this whole fucking park to myself and it's kind of scary in a way. It is nice though. I will say this, it is nice. I almost should turn this around so y'all can see. Ooh, ooh yeah, look. Look where we at. Look where we at. Look where we at, huh? All right, so we get in, I show him the seat. You know, I'm all like, that. I'm lit up. I'm lit up anyway. I'm in there, I'm fired up, I'm lit up. I think I seen Chuck. I forget who I saw, I just saw some people. Merch table, I think Clip Sun at the merch table, messing with him. I'm lit up, I'm just running around. Oh yeah, I was talking to Clip, and I was able to hear some possible 420 funk mob music. It may be coming up, or whatever they are gonna do with it. And it was good. It was just a good day, just looking at people, people looking at me. And I seen homie walking back, you know, it was so early. It was like literally nobody in the seats. I'm talking about literally zero people in the seats. I was like the first one. And I didn't even, I wasn't even trying. I guess the people there knew. You know, since they're getting there at that time, what you're gonna do is try to find shade. All right, so I see the homie walking back and I'm like, yeah. I said, I said, I said you know you got lucky today, right? And he looked up at me like, yeah, I said, you damn, I'm sitting in front row. You know, walking up on there like that, you know. And I threw some other stuff at him because he seen me doing my thing, you know, with me being Jeffrey and who I am. And I was like, because I was talking to Clip, right? And he saw me talking to Clip. I said, do you know who that was? 
He's like, he was like, no, I don't even know who you are. Oh, that was the other show. That was the Connecticut show. And people was like, uh, we were standing outside and I was doing my thing. People was coming by. It seemed like I was knowing everybody and I was just lit up. That was Connecticut. I was third in line at the Connecticut show. And I was like, you know who that was? Because it was Lodge and Danny and who was like, Lodge, Danny and Greg coming back or something. I was like, yeah. And I saw, and I was like, you know who that was? He was like, no, we don't even know who you are. <laughs> but anyway, I get him in there and I'm like, you know you got lucky right there. His face lit up. He said, we sit in front row, baby. He's like, we're going to do it. And then Melissa and Sarah got there. The two people, the two tickets I did sell, I'm going to have to catch hell walking back. The two tickets I did sell, they showed up and it was on because I know them from years ago. I know Sarah from years, years, years ago, stuff she used to do out here in LA, the Alpha Funk Alchemy. She did Alpha, Alpha, Alpha Funk Alchemy, where she had Lodge, Blackbird, and Frankie Trio, New Foundation. And she mixed it with some Senegalese drums or something. And we had it at Fado Doe. She put that on and she was doing some Zanzibar stuff and this and that and this and that and all that, this and that, this and that. All right, I'm turning around. You know, so, okay, now we're going to go uphill. Now we're going to get some work in. So she did that. So I remember Sarah and Melissa. I ran into her. She was the, uh, she created the One Nation Board, which was, and I know her for years and years and years. She created the One Nation Board. You know, famous DJ, real cool. Hung out with her a bunch of times, a couple times in New Orleans. So, you know, we go back. So it was just on. Oh, she came to the funk, uh, Long Beach Funk Festival one time when Parlette, when uh, the brides was there. And she was getting it to Wolf Tickets dancing in front of me with that rhythm. And I got a video of that. I remember that. She was just getting it. Anyway, so we go back. So it was going to be turned on. So he get there. We get in our seats. You know, I'm showing out. People looking. The vibe is good. You look back over the audience, right? And you can see people. Oh, shit. Which way did I come from? <laughs> I'm lost. I think I came from this way. Who? I'm lost. <laughs> Ooh, people, other people, hi. My God. It's like I had the whole park to myself. You will in a second. Yo, oh, no, don't leave me. I'm scared now. <laughs> you do. Wow. That's like I say. Um, yeah, so, you know, we in there. I'm partying, feeling good, turned up. Janet Cousins is there. Her sister and Al Ekrum, whatever. I see this name. I see this picture a lot of times on Facebook before. I didn't even know we wasn't friends, but I got a friend request from him. But I, um, you know, I knew his face. And I knew he was because I seen him before at the Funketeers Balls. But I just, you know, we. So you know, I saw him. You know, I hollered at him. And I'm, so I'm running from one side of this thing to the other, knowing people. I'm jumping in people's selfies. I'm just turned. Wearing my LA Maggot shirt. I'm just turned up, so we get to the front. And so the seat's in the front, right? And you kind of don't want to just walk to the center and stand at the rail. Because you know these people with seats, they don't know how it goes. And they don't know how aggressive or not they should be. So when I walked back, I saw Janet and Al posted up center at the rail. Even though their seats was like front row, but over to the side like mine was. So I was like, oh, okay, let's do it right here then. And then when I posted up, I knew I was going to have to stay there and not go, be able to leave anywhere. And I forgot about Sarah, homie, and 
Melissa, I'm looking back trying to get their attention to come over here. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all don't know how to do this? Y'all know how this is done? <laughs> so, the show's gonna kick off. I'm front row center. Them some bitches came out. Let me just say this too. Also, I've seen this band play two sets before at Yoshi's. And it always seems, well, I ain't gonna say always, but it caught me, it struck me that the second show almost starts off with the same energy and cohesiveness as the last show left off. So these fuckers came out on that beautifully sounding sound stage, summer, you know, summer stage benefactors, you know, uh, private organizations, New York City, just really clean, everything nice, sound was just good. I know they ate good back there. I know they had a good time, they was feeling good. These fuckers just came out with uh, either stand on the verge or something like that and just started pounding it instantly. It was miraculous. It was like, I was like, who the hell, what band was this? This is not the band that I heard two nights ago, number one. <laughs> Shadow Hall was there on rhythm guitar. Remember I was saying something about rhythm guitar. Shadow Hall was there on rhythm guitar. And I also saw Trey Luke playing some rhythm. I don't know if he was actually playing it, playing it, but he was actually stroking. And then I, was, I would look to see who was playing the rhythm parts. If it was Garrett playing the rhythm bar, or if it was, Traffiel, I think his name is Traffiel. Um, but I call him God's Weapon because I want to see who's playing the rhythm parts. Then, um, oh, Mr. Hampton was playing the rhythm parts too. And not to get out of it, he plays them too loud. <laughs> that rhythm guitar is just too loud on the lead. Yeah, blast that. Blow our, make our ears bleed. But on the rhythm, I'm listening to it. I can barely hear Lodge. <laughs> Mr. Hampton is so loud on the rhythm. But it was good. It was good. It was good. You know, I'm listening to him and seeing how he's playing it, where he's hitting it, the tone and everything. Because, you know, rhythm guitar, Mr. Mr. McKnight doing it. Okay, I'm getting off the subject. But anyway, the whole thing is, they was killing it. They freaking killed it. They killed it so bad, so good. After the show, I was like, we need to do an investigation and to, fi to find out why this band, how this band could go from point A to point B. How this band, after this, after this pandemic... How they gonna go from point A to point B? Cause this band was just so so goddamn good. I'm thinking paranormal activity, something supernatural. That's how good the fuckers were. I mean, they just hit it. It was just solid and clean and deliberate, with intention and power and tightness, and it just sounded so good. I was gonna cry. Doing the funkadelic song, even even doing like standing on the verge of one of those songs. They was like, they were just they were just pounding on it. It was just so good. I need to take pictures out here. Damn, I need to stop and take pictures while I'm down here. Oh, man. Um, so they piling, they was, this was, I mean, this show, to me, it may be me, maybe, you know, maybe the COVIDs, uh, you know, me getting back from the COVIDs, it may be just being happy to be out around people or, the, or just the moment, but this band killed. They just freaking killed. It was just like amazing. It was tight, and the Danny on flashlight, the synthesizer was going, Rick Boy on horn, then Michael Hampton playing Cosmic Slop, and Knee Deep, that guitar loud up front, super loud up front, the way it's supposed to be. Not, you know, making any comments on it, anybody who may or may not have previously played those solos, <laughs> but I like mine loud and just cutting through everything. And Mr. Hampton with that, that sound, like I said, I was raised on it. That's the sound of Knee Deep. That's the sound of uh, 
cosmic slop. The way that his guitar, loud and just, ee, just killing it. But anyway, they getting it. I can't think of else was going on, but the whole point was, they was, it was just incredible. It was just so incredible that I was full. I didn't post. I was just so into it. I didn't want to let it go. I, 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 there was like no moment to pull back and, and do pictures. Even pole power. Well, there was a little bit of drop in pole power. <laughs> but when they got to get low, woo! That shit was killing. And they did jump, jump, jump up and get down. It was just, everything was just killing. They did, they did uh, chili peppers and all that from the trolls or whatever. It was just killing. It was just solid and sounded good. And then Danny sang the thing on Maggot Brain. And Mr. Hampton played Maggot Brain standing right there playing loud. Loud like a guitar is supposed to play. And Sean Hall played the rhythm because God's weapon played the rhythm, rhythm in Connecticut. And I hope he listened to how Sean Hall played it. Because remember, see, okay, now when Sean Hall was in the group years ago with all those cat delics and all those people, we was hating on them. We was hating on them. I think, and, 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 and I think they understand, and I hope they understand, you know, the Kim Mannings and the Kendra's and all the people who came in that you're going to get hated on. Don't take it personally. You know, we was hating on them. Only because we was used to a certain thing and a certain look and a certain stereotype. You know, I'm not saying we were right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it went. So, but to see her then come in, to see her then play, because remember, if she was in there playing, that means Billy Bass wasn't or somebody like that. So folks was like, huh? You know, if she was playing, how come Andre Fox ain't there? You know, why we, why she there? And all that kind of, it's just political, social, human bullshit that makes humans, which makes being human worth being human. A little bit of bullshit, those inconsistencies and that dysfunction, you ask me, it's probably the best part about being human. Because we're probably the only species that can have that dysfunction because we're not controlled so much by our instincts. So, you know, she playing it, and see, back then, you know, she was the rookie, the newcomer, the kid coming in. But now, years later, you know, I don't know, practice or whatever, 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 she nailed it. She nailed that. Because there's a tone. There's a tone and a rhythm and a pluck. And it's the way it should sound. And she nailed it. I was like, ah, oh. and she started playing it. Because I remember God's Weapon played it, and it sounded more mechanical, like ding, 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 ding. Nothing against God's Weapon. Because, number one, I was talking to, I think she said she was George, Mr. Clinton's youngest offspring. At, I met her at the airport on my way out. And I was like, Trevor I was like, yeah, God's Weapon. She was like, yeah. I was like, well, at least he kept his pants on. She was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> uh, his energy, I just love his energy. His energy, the hair swinging, you know, I'm not all for a dirty queen. That ain't my thing. But I can't deny that what he brings to the show, the energy and just the smile and that, even that 
walking around naked on <laughs> with his stuff hanging all out. <laughs> Even that is a part of the show that though I can't even say I don't appreciate it. You know, it's supposed to hit me a certain way, weirdly. Like, like Brandy, you know. I'm supposed to be scared of Brandy. I'm supposed to be scared of Naked 87. Little young thing, as old as I am. Might kill me or something. If you know what I mean. If you've seen her character. <laughs> but anyhow, you know, I ain't hating on nobody. That's just the whole thing. I ain't hating on nobody, no matter what they do or don't do. Cause I'm at a point now that I'm happy and pretty much anything can happen as far as that concern and I'm still gonna be happy. That's the zone I'm in. So it's always good to see him and his smile running around doing the computer balls. The other thing about Poppy why I be hating on him cause he's the one who gotta cut the tracks on on his laptop. And you know how I feel about them tracks. So, you know, don't take it personally guys weapon. You know, it's always fun to look at you and smile and watch you do your thing. And 13, too. I like the way 13 be running around doing this. His is like more, uh, I don't want to say professional, but 13 seems to be more, he just seems to be older. He just seems to be older or, not older, but I don't know. He just seems more old school, I should say. More old school than <laughs> the younger ones, I guess. I don't know. I'm just talking crazy. Patavian, Patravarian wasn't there. And I was talking, oh yeah, I think it's Gabby or whatever, talking to her at the um, airport. And I finally got it straighted out. Whose daddy is whose daddy? <laughs> who uh, Miss Barbarella Bishop's child's are and who um, Mr. Tracy Lewis Clinton's kids are. Because <laughs> it was all, because I was telling Patravarian, Whatever her name is, she looked like I thought she looked like Barbarella. So I was like, oh. So then I got that. We finally, I finally, after all these years, get that all straightened out. Try to get it straightened out with Funky, but sometimes it's hard to follow his dialect. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to follow follow his logic. <laughs> uh, oh, let me show you this. This is where my my football career, the bulk of my football career, was played. Volley Rogers, Volley Rogers Field, Buckeye Elks, right down there. They still got a tennis course right there. Up there is where I used to get weighed in. I used to have to get weighed in up there because I was always close to being overweight. So I'm standing there naked with a bunch of men in the room, standing on the scale trying to get under 112.5 so I could play. Played four years there. We won the championship my first year. Then after that, we had some so-so seasons. Then after that, I went to high school and started well, that's when it got real, and that's when it was time for me to go. <laughs> but anyway, so I got all the kids' names straight now. And Kendra was there. Oh my God. It's in the way she moves. Something about the way that lady moves, that girl moves. It's just, it's just something. And oh, and she sang during, up at the down show, she sang, Back at Ragged Executive, step to this. She did that, but. She missed, I think she skipped the speed dreaming part before bounce to this and she went right from that part to bounce to this, which didn't matter because it was just good to see her up there doing her dancing. It's about the way she moves. It's in the way she moves for me. That's just the bottom line. It's usually Potivarian because I wanted to see her and Potivarian get in a little, 
you know, dance off kind of competition thing. Let them go at it. Woo. But anyhow, it was good. It was good. So that means, you know, up there, so it's Tanisha and Brandy up there doing the steps and, you know, kind of choreographed together. And, you, and I caught them a couple times where they did a little something, you know, kind of something, maybe orchestrated, not orchestrated. Your work. I mean, it was just good. It was just fucking good. Mr. Clinton, Lodge, I mean, Danny, I mean, everybody. Garrett, oh, Garrett, oh my God, it's Garrett coming to his own. Garrett's starting to own that. Garrett is starting to take ownership of it. And somebody told me, I don't want to say no names, but Derek Drizzle said, yeah, when Gary and them started, they wasn't all that polished either now. They had a natural talent, but it takes a while to evolve. It took Mr. Diaper Man Gary Doo-Wop Shider some time to evolve to the icon he is from that natural raw talent to getting to that, you know, Shider, that Gary Shider presence and respect or whatever. And I say respect, maybe from the band, from the legacy, and from the fans. When they come in, as soon as they see that diaper, he ain't even got to do nothing. He was at a point where he didn't even have to do nothing. He knew it. And his swagger when he walked in let you knew that he knew. <laughs> and that's the part that you have to just evolve and get to. Oh, I wish I could stop and take a picture. I need to stop and take a picture. I guess I can come and make this walk tomorrow too. Because I want to, there's a lot of pictures I want to get my hometown. So it was just good. I, and that's why I wasn't, and I was full. So I, oh, and then after the show, I mean, you know, I'm talking to people, oh, it's just, just, I'm just, I'm just, Oh, I wish I could take this picture 680. Uh, so after the show, you know, it's just feeling good. I'm feeling good. Walking out, running to people, hugging, seeing folks. So Sarah and Melissa and them took off one way and they was going to get a drink or something. And they was like intent, you know, on going. So I'm walk, kind of walking with them, wondering if I should go back to the hotel because I got to be at the airport. I wanted to be at the airport at 6.30 a.m but it was only like 10.30. So, you know, do you go home? Do you go to sleep? What do you do? There's been times when I went to the airport and slept, but I had enough time to where I went back to the hotel, took a nap, got up at 5.45, and then caught an Uber, 60 bucks to LaGuardia. I'm a fight. But, so I'm walking with them, and then so I seen Janet and her sister and Al Equum, or whatever his name is, sitting on a park bench. I was like, ooh, shit. They just sitting there. Hmm. <laughs> I sat down with them, just like at the Bunkertiers Ball with me and George Darden. That one night, we just sat in that humidity and that warmth of the, of the evening and watched people walk by. Ben Crump walked by, so yeah, Ben Crump was there too. I got to stand there and look at Ben Crump dead in his eye because politically, I have my reservations, to put it mildly. I can explain it later about Ben Crump and what he went through and what he's doing. And his association with P-Funk and George Clinton is exactly what P-Funk and George Clinton has always done to me all through my life, is that it's going to throw me a twist. Of all the people in the world <laughs> for Mr. Clinton to associate with, it's like Ben Crump, philosophically or politically or whatever, socially, was, is probably the most anti one for me that is against, not against what I'm saying, but the one I have the most the hardest time with one of the people who I really just used to have the hardest time with but I was able to look in his eyes hear him speak 
you know, fill them a little bit deeper and try to understand, you know, try to get a feel, try to read them is to get a feel of what a word, the energy and all that, blah, 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 blah. And it was good, and he, cause he was back there getting it the beat bunk. I mean, what can you do? He's a mega five side. I mean, so he was back there getting it on beat. And once she do that, I can't hate on him no more. But anyway, he was walking by. We sitting there, Ben Grunt walked by. You know, people just walking by. Oh, and the Velvet people. Not no, not the Velvet. Velvet wasn't there. I heard Velvet had a baby or something. But um, um, the band, the Blue Wolf, they opened and they was kicking it with the horn and the rap. Oh, they was kicking it. They locked in. And I'm like, why they open? I mean, I was glad to see them open, but that opening means you're cutting into P-Funk time. And it's already a half hour late start. <laughs> but they did good. And P-Funk came out and just killed it. And we sat there on that bench in that summer warmth at night. And just, it was the perfect end. It was the perfect end. And we just sit there and talked, reminisce, because I ran to Janet Cousin before. Me and her sat in Hollywood. She was there at Hollywood for uh, the Garrett Scheider, Gary Scheider tribute before the Grammy Award nomination, Grammy presentation thing. And I partied with her in Maryland, Punketeers Ball, here and there. So we be meeting up, running to each other. So to sit there and they was lively and just talking crazy about drugs from 30 years ago whatever it was just it was good it was just good we just it was just a perfect end of the evening and then i got caught an uber to the hotel ran and got some oh i got some street food chicken on a stick wrapped in a pita bread but i mean it was just good it was just damn 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 good so now i'm here in Ohio for like a week for literally I got seven days here some stuff gonna jump off on the 4th of July with the family and whatnot I was gonna work from home I should be I mean I should have been working I was gonna bring my work stuff here but the only schedule they could have gave me was 3 30 to 11 and I didn't want to work that I didn't want to have my whole day disrupted back here Cause 3 30 11 is when people be sitting on their porches drinking and whatnot that's when you want to hang out when it cool off and ride around the city look at folks run up on them on their porch and whatnot so that's why i'm just out so I, so I got seven days i got seven days of this and i'm like i didn't get my steps in yesterday but i better get up and i better start at least try to start it off I was gonna take a lazy day. He said, you know, I even looked at the calendar. You know, Jeffrey, you've been going day to day to day. It wouldn't be, it's okay if you take a lazy day. It's okay if you take a lazy day. <laughs> but now I got up and I was gonna walk through Mill Creek Park. And I did, and I'll get back here and I'll see how many steps I got. And I found out too, okay, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna say that for another few. But it was just good. It was just really, really good. Mr. Boyer, Mr. Thomas, Mr. Cowan. Carlon, well, I saw Carlon before the show. It's always good to see her, you know. And I was like, the, the dude I gave a ticket to, you know, I seen him, you know, with his eyes all big, you know. I was like, hey. And I ran over to him, you know, and she came over and we was hugging her and she, you know, 
hollering at Melissa and taking pictures and stuff. I was like, hey. I was like, that's George Clinton's wife. He went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a good time. I had a good time. And oh, with Sarah. See, Sarah remembered me. I forget what year that was, whatever Afro Funk was. Like two, might have been 2003, 2000. I can't, we can't, I can't remember whenever that Afro Funk alchemy was. I can't remember what year it was. But she remembered that Jeffrey. So she was here, she was like, wow. She said, I didn't. She said, you're out now. I said, what do you mean? She said, you're just like blown up. You're not, not reserved anymore. You're just like, you know, wow. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, that's right. You don't remember, you don't remember, um, oh, Melissa don't, never met that Jeffrey. <laughs> and Sarah had never met this Jeffrey. You know, so the, the big, you know, animated, King Kong on my side of the stage, Jeffrey. She said, I wasn't like that. She said, I was reserved. And I told her, I said, hell yeah, when I came out here, you at Norwood, y'all was stars. I was looking up to y'all. I was shy and didn't know. I was like, and I, I was like looking up to y'all. I was, I'm from Ohio. I was a, you know, I didn't know what I was doing out here or nothing. You know, so it, it was good. She was just like, cause you know, I was just like, ah, she wasn't used to seeing that person. And then Melissa was like, uh, cause she didn't know. Melissa never saw that reserve kind of kickback. Like, I mean, almost shy Jeffrey. And almost shy Jeffrey. But it was good. It was really good. It was good. It was really good. It was really, really good. It was just, everything was good. And just talking to Clip and seeing everything. Lodge was on stage. He looked up, he looked right at me. As soon as he like look up at me, I stick my tongue out and I'm like, <laughs> I like to get him. Cause I'm like, yeah, nigga, everywhere you go, I <laughs> I'm the one. I'm like, everywhere you go, I'm going to be there. <laughs> and he just, he just got a smile. You know, Lodge got to be cool. So he just kind of, you know, give you that little smile. Cause I seen him walking up with that look on his face. I said, oh, I'm going to get this yellow nigga. I said, uh, in Connecticut, I said, I'm going to get this yellow nigga. I said, and I love you the most. <laughs> I had to put him on spot. I said, I'm gonna get him. Trying to be hard. Because one thing I will say about Mr. Curry and the music, for whatever reason, the sound of the music may change with players and the energy may change, but there's a something, there's a there's a on the one or a rhythm or a energy or a tempo or something that's been maintained. And the only thing I can figure, the consistency that I can figure is that it's Lodge and the drummer. And just like with the Magus, it's Ole and Barry. And everything that come around that fulfills it. Everything that comes around that fulfills it. But those two just lay the foundation, you know? And the foundation of Pete Bump, even though it would get raggedy over the years, you know, 10, 15 years ago when it was like really raggedy or or whatever, what was going on through the crack era or whatever. It was something always there. And I keep, I keep wanting to say that, you know, from uh, sound checks and rehearsals, whatever, that it's Mr. Curry and his uh, demeanor and that just solid, just gotta be the foundation. You can't be moved. You can't let the energy or be moved by it. You have to hold it down because his instrument is the loudest. If he mess up, everybody gonna know it. <laughs> if he mess up, 
everybody gonna know it because his bass is the dominant sound. So I, he got to be on game every day. A lot of pressure. Got to be on it because it's all, he's the sound basically. And then the drummer. And I'm sure he brought, you know. And I've seen Norwood train drummers. I've seen Lodge train drummers. Jake train drummers. So to get that sound and like with the uh, with the um, what's it called? L.A. Maggots. We got Barry Chanel. He got train properly p-funk train anyway 32 minutes i'm still going all right so it was it was just good it was just good and so i see mr curry being all stoic holding it down i love this guy loud. he started talking about cleveland he was wearing a cleveland hat he all ready for the browns he should be happy they should be they scared to get happy though browns fans okay i'm going off browns fans know better to get happy <laughs> oh look at this it says eddie loves star we just talking about talking about Lodge and they go star. Anyhow, oh yeah, and then in the um, when I left, when I was leaving, I ran into a, the girls walking around wearing a um, um, girls walking around wearing a um, a motor booty shirt, Parliament motor booty shirt, and I'm like, oh, where you get that shirt from? And he said, da, da, da. I was like, you went to the show? I said, why you go to the show? She's like, my dad. I was like, who? George. I was like, oh, really? You know, I played it all. And then, you know, as the conversation went on, I kind of revealed more and more what I knew and the people I knew. And it was good. We just had a good, we had a good conversation. And the cool thing about that conversation we had, and the cool thing about that conversation we had was that the things we didn't say the, the, the conversations that we deliberately avoided because if you know me there's questions that I would love to ask and know but I really don't want to know because I'm a fan I, this is my side of the stage there's some stuff that I don't want to know you know, I'm, I'm still, I want to buy my ticket, go there, be entertained, and not really be involved in the guts of it, to be honest with you. Because there's some personal stuff going on, you know. I mean, these people got, you know, families and it's personal stuff, heavy stuff, you know. Life, you know, the real life stuff. You kind of want to, it's, sometimes it's, I think about just staying a fan and not being involved in that, but then sometimes you get so close to, to, to the people that you can't help get vested in what they're going through and what they're doing and it, and it affects you and it, you know you think about it you think about when you go there buy that ticket and you enjoy the show what they may may, may what they may or may not be going through whatever once you see behind that curtain but anyhow we was talking and it was kind of cool because in a way what I did was I let her know that I knew the topics to avoid. <laughs> and she acknowledged, yep, she's up, we're not gonna talk about that. I was like, cool. You know, it was cool, but it was it was very rewarding. It, and like I said, it was very polite, mannerly, respectful. No dissing, no gossiping. You know, we just exchanging information about what we knew about
we just exchanged the information about what we knew about the band, you know, what we've been through. And that, and that shit, that was like drop, name dropping. And she was like, oh, you know everybody. I was like, yeah. Then I gave her my Facebook. She found me on Facebook like instantly, like quick. <laughs> Cause you know, she young. So she know how to use that social media. And then, you know, now we friends and stuff, but it was good. It was just good to touch base. I think she said she was 33. So that kind of put her, I told her her generation was like in between. Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna say with that part, but yeah. <laughs> See, it was just good. It was just good. Everything was just good. Anyhow, my name is Jerry Scott Mitchell. And I'm here today in Youngstown, Ohio. And I'm gonna wrap this up. Standing by the 1996 celebrate, celebrate memorial, celebratory memorial for James, for John Young, founder of Youngstown. My name is Jeffrey, Jeffrey Scott Mitchell, and I have the best life in the world. Is that bridge, see this bridge, Oak Hill Bridge? I've been walking past that bridge for 50 years, all my life. Never walked across it till today. Anyhow, my name is Jeffrey Scott Mitchell. Swing on y'all two times. George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, my God. I was thinking to myself, when them Negroes want to play the best music in the world, they can. They play the best music, the best. They play the best music better than anybody can play it. Regardless of lineup, who ain't there, who ain't there no more, who don't do this right, who don't do right, I don't give a damn. It's a tone and an energy that they pound on. And of course, there's noise or whatever that could be positive or negative and add or detract from that, that, that groove or that, that pocket or that sound or that on the one that nobody else can get, nobody else can get. They can play it differently. You can play it more by the, by the charts. You can do this, you can do that, you can play that. But whatever the George Clinton Parliament Funk can do, and whatever they do, that jamming or pounding, I don't know what it's called, that energy, that flow, I don't know what you want to call it. Whatever they do, nobody does it better. Nobody plays that music better. Nobody does that better. And uh, I met somebody at the show and they were saying, oh my God. They were like, they just pound. And my cousin, I went to something in his Vegas. He was saying he saw him in Vegas. And that the way they, George and them pound on it, the way they just, just jam with the funk, is just that touches people. That, you know, not so much, did you play it right? Did you say the lyrics right or whatever? But that energy and that, nobody does that better. Anyhow, my name is Jeffrey Scott Metro. And I walk in the streets of Youngstown, Ohio. Ain't nobody out here but me, damn near. It's like 80, 80 degrees, humidity is like 8,000. Oak Hill, look at where we at. Walking the streets, baby. Swinging on y'all two times. For the funk and for me. And for every atom and elementary particle, quark and lepton that has ever existed in this or in any universe that will or has existed. It's about everything, y'all. It's about bringing it all. All is a part of it. Nothing can be eliminated. We are all in this, everything, together. I think this is the Mahoney River. You see it? I think that's the Mahoney River. Anyhow, y'all see where I'm at. Swinging. And I'm out.